Well, first things first. Happy New Year, everyone. Our relatives in Manila have been sending Viber, text, Facebook posts. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Wow. Parang hindi kayo masaya. I know that you're waiting. You're excited for the new year. Because in about two to three weeks, you'll be receiving a lot of mail. MasterCard. Visa. American Express. Capital One. You thought all of your shopping was free? My friends, only salvation is the free gift of God in Jesus Christ. And even salvation to us is free simply because Jesus Christ paid for it all. Amen? Amen. And He is the kingdom. His is the power. His is the glory now and forevermore. Now, a lot of things are going, going on in the whole movement of CCF. And we are part of that international movement. Every new year, the church spends one week of praying and fasting. Now, because of time constraints, of course, when they're doing their prayer and fasting over there, it's a totally different time zone over here, right? But we have the materials available on the CCFLA website. Or you can go to the CCF main website and track along with them. We hope and we pray that you will spend at least one time in your discipleship group meetings this week or that week to spend time in prayer and fasting. As you will see through this short video clip, that prayer is not separate from fasting. They come together. So let me show you what CCF Manila has prepared and sent to me.
Are you going to fast? Or are you ready fast asleep? You know, if you learn how to fast, when we were all in Manila, Pastor Danny, Sister Grace, myself, when we were there, you know, of course, we say, one week? Really? Sometimes I can't go two days without eating. You want me to fast one week? Yes, and I discovered for myself that eating is overrated. After three days, you won't even feel the need, the urge to eat. So we tried. First, we tried juice. But don't take juice with sugar. Because sugar creates another need in your body. So plain juice, if you want that. FB. What is FB? No, you change it. Fast book. Some people fast from their computer, from their phone, from Facebook. Some people fast from TV, computer games. So it's all there. Go to the CCF website if you want to learn more. But we encourage you, join the entire CCF movement all over the world as we come before the Lord in prayer and fasting. My personal definition is disciplining the body to commune with the Lord. Every time you, you feel the need to eat during this fasting week, use that time to talk to the Lord. Try it. The benefits are out of this world. You will also lose weight. It's healthier. So join us for this week of prayer and fasting. Now as we come to our last uh, service, our last message for 2017, let me start it like a game show, okay? I'll give you the definition. You try to give me the word. Is that all right? Here we go. The reception of genetic qualities by transmission from parent to offspring. The acquisition of a possession, condition, or trait from past generations. Something that is or may be inherited. A valuable possession that is common heritage from nature. What is the word? Inheritance. Doctora, you like to give a lot of inheritance yata. <laughs> you know the word. Second word. Property that descends to an heir. Something transmitted by or acquitted from a predecessor. Huh? Acquired? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Something possessed as a result of one's natural situation or birth. What is the word? Genes? Levi's uni. No. What's the word? That's your heritage. Last word. You ready? A gift by will, especially of money or other personal property. Something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. This word also means a candidate for membership in an organization such as a school or fraternal order who is given special status 
because of familiar relationship to a member. What is the word? What is the word? They're all synonymous to each other, and my daughter is Googling it. The word is legacy. The word is legacy. Because if, if I give you more time, I know you're going to answer it. Because all of you are Googling. I said, fast from your phone. But do you notice inheritance, heritage, and legacy are inter interconnected in their meaning? As we close 2017 and move on to 2018, I have titled our message this morning, Establish a Godly Legacy. Wrong spelling, pastor? No. I intentionally spelled legacy that way because I have three points for all of us this morning. For us to be able to establish a godly legacy, we need to own it, be accountable. We need to talk about it. And we need to model it. What good is us owning it? What good is it for us to talk about it if the people around us do not see it? Therefore, for this year, the coming 2018, establish a godly legacy. Let the people around us see as we model Christ-like humility that we want to pass on for our children to inherit a godly legacy. So what's the message this morning? Establish a godly legacy. And we should own it. We should talk about it, and we should model it. Let's pray and commit the time to the Lord this morning. God, we thank you that throughout your word, the Bible, we see these truths. Allow us, Lord, to see it for ourselves as we go to your word. The examples that we see, we may, may we all be challenged to really start off 2018 with a desire to establish a godly legacy so that we may continue to pass on this generation and generation and generation of God-loving, God-fearing disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who do not only own it, who do not only talk about it, but are willing to model it. Be pleased with our Preaching of your word this morning, as we come to you in Jesus' name, amen. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we read the story about King David, the temple, and King Solomon. Verse 1, then King David said to the entire assembly, My son Solomon, whom God alone has chosen, is still young and inexperienced. And the work is great. For the temple is not for men, but for God. 
Now with all my ability, I have provided for the house of my God the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and inlaid stones, stones of antimony, and the stones of various colors, and all kinds of precious stones and alabaster in abundance. What is the Bible telling us about King David and the temple? The temple is going to be built, a permanent dwelling race, a permanent dwelling place for the Ark of the Covenant. Because in the past, they would just bring the Ark of the Covenant wherever they would go. The Old Testament tabernacle was temporary. When God moved, the people had to pack up and move. And then set up the tabernacle, worship there. And then when God says move, they collapse everything, they move again. Now during this time, God wants a permanent dwelling place for the Ark of the Covenant. And a temple is to be built. Of course, when you need to build a building, what do you need? You need materials. So what is King David telling the people? The work of the building of the temple is a huge undertaking. And my son, King Solomon, is still young. The undertaking is overwhelming for him. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to provide whatever is needed for the temple to be built. Gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, wood for the things of wood, etc., etc. Are you with me? Verse 3, Moreover, in my delight, in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of God, over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple. So he's going to give more than what is needed. Verse 4, namely, he's given 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of offer, 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the buildings, of gold for the things of gold, of silver of the things of silver, that is for all the work done by the craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? So what did David do? He took ownership of the program. He owned it. And then what did he do? He talked about it. He met with the people. This is what we are going to do. And how did he model it? We need this. This much. So what I'm going to do, I'm already committing my resources to the accomplishment to the success of this project. I've already given, but I'm going to give more so that there will be no need, unmet need for this project. Now, some of you are already thinking, Pastor is going to lay a financial burden on us. He has a project that we will finance. No. It's not the message this morning. I want for all of us to see that King David owned 
he took ownership of this project. He talked about it with the people. He involved the people. And then, he modeled it. It's very easy. Hey, guys, you know, we have a project. We're going to build our own CCF LA sanctuary. Oh, yes, Pastor. Good. We have a permanent place. We're no longer going to Raymond. We're not going to, we're not going to go to Garvey Center anymore. We're not going here. We have a permanent dwelling place. Oh, you give money, huh? Because we need money to build. No, not with David. We have a project. The one in charge of the project is King Solomon. He is still young. The project will overwhelm him. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give this much. And basically, King David asked, are you with me? Who is willing to consecrate himself today to this project? What did King David do? He encouraged the people to join him in the project. Why? This is going to be a legacy to the people coming after them. That there is a te permanent temple to the Lord our God. So he owned it. He talked about it. But he didn't stop there. He modeled it. He was the first to make the contributions of this gold, silver, bronze, alabaster, etc., etc. He provided for it. Then the rulers of the father's households and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of thousands of hundreds with overseers over the king's work offered willingly and for the service of the house of God they gave 5,000 talents, 10,000 darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silvers, 18,000 talents of brass, 100,000 talents of iron. Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in care of Jehiel, the Jershonite. What happened? When King David laid out the project and he challenged the people, how did the people respond? Okay, they fell asleep. How did the people respond? Huh? They gave. Why? They saw their leader. Their leader modeled it for them. And because David modeled it for them, because they saw that their king was willing to provide. What did they do? They responded. And they too gave. They actually gave a lot. 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of gold. 10,000 talents of silver. 18,000 talents of brass. 100,000 talents of iron. And what? Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury. They responded. Because they saw that their leader was not only mouthing it, but he put it into practice. He owned the project. He shared the project. He talked about it. But he put his money where his mouth was. He gave out of his own. So that when he challenged the people, come, join me. 
join me in this project. They said, yes, we will also give because you have given. And they gave what? Willingly. Look, do you see that there? Then the rulers of the father's household and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of thousands and of hundreds with the overseers of the king's work offered willingly, not grudgingly. Project na naman. CCF always as money. No. When we ask you to give, you give your offering and drop it on the tithe box. We do not pass around the offering plate. Why? Because if you will give, you will give of your own volition. I don't need to come up here and explain to you the principle of giving a percentage of what God has entrusted to you. Because you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will want to give. And you will want to give willingly. Just like these people gave what? Willingly. If I stand here and I say, oh, you talk about tithing. And then you ask me, Pastor Insong, do you tithe? Right? And then my answer will be, I'm the pastor of the church. Why will I tithe? I'm supposed to be supported by you guys. Why should I tithe? Will you tithe? So ask me, do I tithe? Yes. Why? Because that is what God expects. All the earth is mine and everything in it is mine, says the Lord. A cattle on the thousand hills is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the earth is mine and all it contains. So when I tithe, when I give to the Lord, I'm just giving back what he has entrusted to me. Give. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. When King David challenged the people for this huge project, they gave willingly because King David modeled it for them. And the people rejoiced. When the people rejoice because they have over offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful is translated as hilarious. Think of a joke that you know you, you really crack up and you fall on the you fall on the floor, you have a tummy ache because you keep on laughing. It's hilarious. So don't go to the tight box and have this gloomy face. Don't fast and you have a gloomy face. What's going on? I'm fasting. I haven't eaten in three days. You don't do that. You do it for the Lord, and you do it willingly with a joyful heart. Just like the people gave, they rejoiced. And when King David saw that the people rejoiced in giving to the work of the temple, how did King David respond? He too 
rejoiced. He rejoiced greatly with the people. Will you not be pleased if you challenge your family to be more Christ-like and you modeled it for them and you see them enjoying being Christ-like? Wouldn't that bless your heart? Wow, my wife, my children, they're becoming more godly. I see it. Wouldn't you rejoice? I believe you would. Even King David rejoiced. He gave a lot. And then the people responded also. And they gave willingly. And they were very joyful. They were, being, they were happy to be part of the project. And that elicited joy in King David as well. Because he saw the people responding so what did they do? So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. God owns everything. And it is a privilege to be part of God's work. The prayer continues. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. And in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. The people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly. For they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. Own it, talk about it, but model it. Now, what's the big deal about King David in the temple? Well, King David, as we know from Scripture, says, King David was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't a perfect man. We all know that. But the Bible refers to King David as a man after God's own heart. Let's take a look at a snapshot of King David's life. We all know that he slew Goliath, right? Yes. With how many stones? One. Right? With a sling. Okay? But he committed adultery with Bathsheba. It was bad enough that his army was going to war and he decided to stay home. He saw Bathsheba bathing outside. I don't know why she would bathe outside. You know? Well, no shower, whatever. But he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He basically stole Bathsheba from Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. When Bathsheba got pregnant, he arranged the death of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. He did a lot to bring home Uriah from the war zone 
so that he would sleep with Bathsheba. And, you know, it's not my child. But Uriah was very righteous. And he chose not to sleep with his wife. So David arranged, put Uriah in the front. And when the battle begins, withdraw. Uriah died. Who set it up? King David. The man after God's own heart. Murder. Adultery. What happened? He lost his child. The child born to King David and Bathsheba died. His son Amnon committed rape and incest. His son Absalom, Absalom killed Amnon. His son Absalom started a rebellion against him. And Absalom was murdered. King David also took an unauthorized census. When the kingdom was great, he decided to take a census. God did not tell him to take a census. Now, what's the big deal with the census? You trust God or you trust the number of people that you have? God did not authorize the taking of the census. And as a result, thousands upon thousands died because King David decided to take an unauthorized census. Pastor, what does this have to do with the temple? Nothing. No, <laughs> there is. Look at this last bit of information. King David was not allowed to build the temple. He was not allowed to build the temple. First Chronicles 28, 2 and 3 says, Then King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my brethren and my people. I had intended to build a permanent home for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. So I had made preparations to build it. Verse 3, But God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name because you are a man of war and you have shed blood. So if you are King David and you are not going to build the temple, why? Why bother? It is my son, King Solomon, who will build the temple. I wanted to build it for God. My motive was right, but God said, American, nah. Your hands are bloodied. You are a man of war. Therefore, you will not build the temple. But why? Why would King David give all that he had, the one we have read about, and prepare everything so that Solomon, his son, would succeed 
in building the temple that God did not allow him to build. Why? Humanly speaking, very easy for us, right? Well, I'm not going to be the one to build the temple anyway. So, blaha ka sa buhay mo. Sorry, my American friend. It's up to you. It's your life. Very easy for us to, okay, no problem. God, you didn't tell me, you didn't want me to do it. Okay, that's his problem, not mine. Because you said, I'm not going to build it. So, not my problem anymore. But no. The desire of King David was to be able to build a temple for the Lord. It didn't matter to him. Because God already told him, you're not going to build this temple. Well, God, never mind. I'm going to have my son build it. Because this building is for you. And I'm going to do everything within my power and my capacity to make sure that my son succeeds. So, he owned the project. He talked about the project. And he modeled it by providing everything he could possibly humanly can to make sure that the project would succeed. So that when he challenged the people, are you with me? They said, yes, we are with you. We are going to give this, 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 and this. And we are willingly going to do it. And this, both King David and the people greatly rejoiced. Why? Because David is a man after God's own heart. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 27 that he wrote, One thing, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. Is that your desire? That whatever the Lord asks of you, you are willing to do. Because you desire to meditate in the temple of the Lord. Is God asking you to do something? Is God asking you to give up something? Is God asking you to give something? One thing, King David says, One thing have I asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. What is that one thing that God is asking you to do? What is that one thing? I challenge you this morning, that one thing is right there. Imad, Ephad, every member a discipler, every family a discipleship group. Now when our time is gone, what will we leave behind? Will we be able to leave behind a godly legacy that the people behind us have seen with their own eyes? That we have been committed and committed and committed to the Lord. 
to walk in Christ-like humility. What is that one thing, friends? The Apostle Paul also wanted to leave a godly legacy. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and, in patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. What is Paul charging us to do? Preach the gospel. Go and tell in season or out of season. Be ready, if need be, to rebuke, etc., etc. Why? The warning is time will come that people will no longer listen to sound doctrine. Just open your TV. You buy this green towel for your seed. It will come back to you a thousandfold. All that, quote-unquote, good stuff. Why? You like your ears to be tickled. I like that. Validate it in Scripture if that is what God is really saying. And He charges us, but you, that's you and I, be of sober, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, Fulfill your ministry. Now, what point in time is Paul telling us this? Look at verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Now, in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. When is Paul writing this? When he's about to die. Remember from last week, Simeon? Oh, God, I have seen Messiah. Now I can die. Paul is saying, the time of my departure has come. I'm about to die. But I want to leave you with this. What? Preach the gospel in season or out of season. Edwin season. Why? Because people will be deceived. They will listen to things that sound like the truth. But you, be sober. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Pastor, I am not an evangelist. 
if you know the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died for your sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, my friend, you have the power of the gospel. All you need to do is to appropriate it. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. And what will be the price? God is a rewarder. He will reward you with the crown of righteousness that he will award to the Apostle Paul. And it says, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And what is his challenge in Philippians chapter 2? So then, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, what? Work for your salvation with fear and trembling. Is that what it says? No. It says work out. You don't work for salvation. Salvation is God's free gift to us through Jesus Christ. Now, if you are saved, if you are born again, what you and I need to do is work it out. To work out that salvation that we already have in Christ Jesus. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see how gracious God is? As you work out your salvation, God will supply the power that you need through the Holy Spirit to work out your salvation. Isn't God great? What he says for you to do, he will supply so that you can do it. All you need to do is to be willing. Now how? How did Paul get the people just like King David. How did King David get the people to, so, so to speak, buy in to the project? If King David was able to encourage the people to buy in to the building of the temple, how did the Apostle Paul get the people to buy in to preaching the gospel in season or out of season? How? He owned it. He talked about it. He modeled it. Really? Philippians 4, verse 9. The things that you have learned and received and have heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Did Paul talk about it? Yes. Did Paul have ownership of it? Yes. Did Paul model it? Yes. The things that you have learned, received, heard, and seen in me. That's why he can write, be imitators of God as I imitate him. Be imitators of me as I imitate God. What is that? Modeling. If you can keep on telling your family members, you know, you should do this, you should do that. 
You should stop doing this. You should stop doing that. But you yourself are not doing it. Or you yourself are not showing it. What's that? Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Nobody going to listen to you. But if you model it, you don't even have to tell them what to do. Because they will follow you. But just because they follow you, don't forget to talk about it. To demonstrate they have ownership of it. And then your modeling will complete the picture. Jesus Christ, towards the end of his life, while hanging on the cross, said this. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. At the time of the departure of Jesus, he did not forget Mary. He entrusted Mary to John the Beloved. In a nutshell, okay? Mom, I'm going to die. Now I'm going to trust you. Woman, behold your son. Looking to John the Beloved. Son, behold your mother. And then what happened? John the Beloved took Mary into his household and took care of her. He told John, what to do? Remember Anna from last week? The prophetess who was widowed after seven years of marriage? What did she do? She kept on serving. Now a widow, in their context, if you read your Bible in the Old Testament, a widow has to remarry because someone has to take care of her. And you are one of the People who will become, quote-unquote, a disgrace to society if nobody takes you. So Jesus made sure that someone would take care of Mary. Woman, behold your son. Your son is about to die. John the Beloved, son, behold your mother. How did John the Beloved respond? John took Mary into his house. What else did Jesus leave for us to do? Matthew 28. I begin with verse 16. But the eleven proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Jesus had gone to the cross. He had died. After three days, he rose again. He appeared to the eleven. Why? Because Judas had already hung himself. Now, when the eleven disciples saw Jesus Christ resurrected, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were what? Doubtful. My friend, if you endeavor to leave a godly legacy, 
some will doubt you. Not everyone will respond to your desire to leave a godly legacy. But you shouldn't let that discourage you. You should persevere. You should be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Some of your family members will respond positively. Some may doubt, but don't let, don't let that discourage you. It's right there. Even some of the disciples of Jesus Christ doubted. Did that dissuade Jesus Christ from telling them about the mission that he wanted them to fulfill? Answer, no. He said, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It didn't stop Jesus from telling us, from telling you and telling me, son, daughter, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make disciples. I don't want you just to make converts. I want you to make disciples. And if this is what you are going to do, just like King David, who made sure that the project will succeed, I will be with you. Always. Even to the end of the age. You want to leave a godly legacy? Make disciples. I'd like to share with you some quotes from a person that you might find familiar, or then again not. You can impress people from a distance, but you can impact them only up close. Is that true? Sometimes, you know, from a distance, ganda lalaki, ganda babae. And then, uy, when up close, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You can make an impression from afar, but you can only make an impact up close and personal. Right? This other quote, the measure of you as a leader is not what you do. The measure of yourself as a leader is not what you do, but what others do because of what you do. True? You teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. That's why we encourage you in your small groups, don't just read and study the Bible. Teach them to what? Obey all. A lot of us stop at teaching them. 
Don't stop there. Teach them to obey all. You never graduate. Can we all read that? You never graduate from the school of discipleship. Until your very last breath, you can make disciples. Who gave us all of these beautiful quotes? His name is Howard Hendricks, professor of Dallas Theological Seminary. And he was also at one time the chaplain of the Dallas Cowboys. Look at his eye. It has a patch. If you've seen some of his videos, he has a big operation in his head. You think that he stopped because there were some physical infirmities, a cancer that afflicted him? No. In one of his quotes, he said, if I can only see the people that I have impacted in my life, then I can also go and meet God. If I have influenced people for God, then I am okay that God take me because my life would have been worth it. It's not a direct quote, but more or less. We can impact people only up close and personal. It's not really what you do, but who you are. It's not what you teach. It's what you reproduce. And we never graduate from the school of discipleship. My friends, a lot of people have their eye on us. From within our spiritual family in those from without, they're keeping an eye on us, especially if they know that we are born-again believers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are under their microscope. Oh, bawal yan Oh! Oh! But if they see us walking right Christ, that oh will become what? Oh! Oh, what is that that you have? I want a taste of that. But if we don't walk like Christ, oh, oh, oh. I hope we can transition to, oh, yes. I like that. And that might friends, open up the opportunity for, for you to invite them to your home, maybe for your discipleship group meeting, or to church, or to that evangelistic film showing, I don't know. Am I over time already? Why do you have the alarm? <laughs> <laughs> it's not yet 2018. I plan to finish this message one year. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There are a lot of people putting us under 
their individual microscopes to see if we are really who we say we are. And the writer of Hebrews even said this, Therefore, since we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run the race that with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. And he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Every time you're tempted to give up, look at the cross. And people are watching you. If you notice in your seats, there is a 3 by 5 index card. It's set one after the other. It looks like this. Now, if you are here this morning and you are the head of your household, I want you to get that 3 by 5 index card. If you do not have a writing instrument, Brother Robson has some pens over there. If you, do not, if you are the head of your household and you do not have an index card, please raise your hand so that Robson can give you one. Now, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We are going to list down six numbers. And, no, we are not. We are not going to play the lotto. Okay. Head of the household with your 3 by 5 index card. And if you have a pen, will you please do me the favor of standing up? Head of the household. You have the index card? You have the ball pen? Now I'm going to once we are done, I'm going to ask you if you are part of this fellowship to submit that. If you're here visiting us with with us for the first time, fill it up, but you're free to either bring it to us or leave it. Are you ready? Does every household the leader of every household who is here, do you have an index card and a writing instrument? Yes? We are going to put it into practice. So the day that you're going to do your family devotion, if it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day you choose, write it down. Our family devotion is scheduled for blank every Blank day, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. From blank time to blank time. Make sure you're going to do it. Don't just write something there because pastor said 
to write it down. If you want to establish a godly legacy, we must put it in to practice. Ayan. May picture pa. Very simple. Your name, our family devotion is scheduled for blank day from this hour to this hour. Please naman, wag naman from 6 a.m. to 12 midnight. Okay? Alright. Let's pray for these gentlemen and other heads of household who are making these commitments. Father God, we stand here before you, myself included, to make this commitment, Lord, to begin 2018 to establish a godly legacy. May our family members see in us the way we talk, the way we walk, the way we model Christ-likeness for our family members. Will you honor these commitments, Lord God? And when you give these heads of household the power of your Holy Spirit to fulfill the commitments they're making before you today, may you be honored and glorified as we commit all of these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Can I ask a volunteer to collect all of those index cards? Brother? Okay. Now, while those are being collected, just sit down, and if we can turn off the lights. Just look at this. This is my challenge to all of us.
Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to be faithful enough to commit that 2018 is going to be a year that we will establish a godly legacy? Will people be able to see in us the Christ that we said lives in us. Now, how can we establish a godly legacy? Own it. Heads of the household, you owned it. You're responsible for it. Second, talk about it. Discuss with your family. This is what we are going to do. And lastly, model it. Get them together. Do your devotion. And encourage one another to be more and more Christ-like every day, every week. Is that okay with us? You think God will be pleased with our commitment? You think God will supply the power of the Holy Spirit for you and I to fulfill that commitment? I believe the answer is yes. Let's pray. God Almighty, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. We ask you, Lord God, to seal those commitments of those heads of households who have come here and stood up and written in those pieces of paper what they intend to do for 2018. Will you supply what we lack, Lord God? Will you give us the power and the grace to fulfill our pledge to you that we will disciple our families that we will endeavor that the whole 2018 would be a year of establishing a godly legacy. That we will be accountable for it. We will take ownership of it. And we will verbalize it, Lord, to constantly cast the vision for our families. And that we will always model Christ-likeness. First to our families and to everyone around us. So that the glory goes to you. Thank you, Lord God, for 2017. Thank you for the ups and downs. But most importantly, Lord, thank you for your constancy in our lives. And we know, Lord God, that you will be the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That as you have been with us in 2017, you will be with us again and again in 2018. God, we thank you. We just want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being faithful even if we are faithless towards you. Thank you, Lord God, that we can worship you both in spirit and in truth. Give us a God-centered new year. Allow us to expand your, our borders, Lord God, through the work of this ministry as we commit to preach the gospel in season or out of season. God, be glorified. And may you bring more souls 
through the saving knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ, through our testimony both in word and in deed. God bless the offerings that people will give. Multiply it, Lord God, so that we can continue in the ministry that you have entrusted to us. Glorify yourself, we ask, in Jesus' mighty and holy name, and everyone said, Amen. that you would make this song the prayer of your heart that you would ask the Lord to search your heart to live in you that we may reflect his love for the sake of the world plans this evening but the thing that counts is the name of Jesus to be lifted up hallelujah This passion in my heart 
worshiping and celebrating this morning. Put your hands together, church, for he is worthy to be praised. Amen. Here we go. 
only solid ground as nations rise and fall. Kingdoms once strong now shaken, we trust forever in your name. The name of Jesus. Here we go. We trust. We trust the name of Jesus. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. Unmatched. Unmatched in all your wisdom, in love and justice. Our home is anchored in your name, the name of Jesus. We trust the name of Jesus. We trust the name of Jesus. You are the only king forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only king forever, forevermore. You are victorious, you are the only king forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only king forever, forevermore. You are victorious. See, we lift our banner high. Our banner high, we lift the name of Jesus from age to age. You reign, your kingdom has no end. We lift our banner high, we lift the name of Jesus from age to age. You reign, your kingdom has no end. You are the only king forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. Have a happy and blessed new year, everyone. God bless you all. Happy new year, everyone.